Welcome, welcome, welcome to Inspired Artist Podcast with me, Porter Singer. I've also been known as Sirgun Carr. Today I am speaking with Emily Perry, who is an inspirational yoga teacher, mentor, coach. She's the creator of the Live Awake Collective. She also has a podcast called Rock Your Purpose Podcast. That's how I met her because she asked me to be a guest on that. And her Facebook group has the exact same name, Rock Your Purpose Podcast. Since the shelter-in-place order began, Emily has been giving such amazing guidance to her group and has been offering so many opportunities to engage and retreat and nurture. So definitely check that out if you are in need of some of that. (laughs) So without further ado, here we go. Well, I think it's sort of, it's funny. It's like, you know, as our, you know, times, time evolves and we have to evolve. And as yogis, I mean, this is what we do, right? We adapt, we shift, we change. And, um, you know, especially I feel like, you know, ever since COVID-19, I mean, it kind of hit here pretty early on. Um, it really was like another little like, okay, we've got to step up um, and meet the moment for me anyway. So I've been trying to be cons- even more consistent and I find my students are really appreciating that too. So, um, but we've been sheltering in place for a while. So it's- <laughs> <laughs> You've noticed, I, know I, I noticed that too. <laughs> <laughs> so it's just, it's, it's been, it's, I think it's challenging. You know, I think we're all going through this time where it's like, we're mourning a life that's like, there's definitely a pivot that we've been in, like a turning point. Like the next couple of years aren't going to look like the last couple of years. Like there's no way, you know? And I think just, I have kids who are like high school age and just looking at like what their next couple of years will look like and how it's so going to be so different than like what I envisioned and like what they envisioned. And um, I think this a lot, everyone's going through this collective grieving of that. Um, in addition to <laughs> like the actual like virus stuff going on and in right, addition right. to like the social injustice going on in addition to like all the things that yeah. have been happening, you know? Yeah. So. Well, and um, how, how interesting for, for that, you know, that group of society, like the kids who thought that, their future was going to look very similar to, you know, to, to like the, the kids who graduated before them or or whatever. And just to have this idea that like things could shift just overnight, you know, that things aren't as stable. Yeah. So I feel like in other countries, that's probably more of a reality. Like your government could get Mm -hmm. seized. You're, you know, yeah, you know, but, but in the United States, we're we're used to like a certain level of consistency. And so this is really throwing us for a loop. Yeah. Yeah. Like you're like in other countries, you know, I I have spent a lot of time in like, you know, um, you know, South America or Central America more and, um, you know, Indonesia. And it's like one day you could wake up and your currency is not worth anything, you know, like there's definitely definitely a history. There's a history there. Right. So, um, 
Yeah. And, and I'm finding actually with like my kids, for example, they're so much more resilient than I ever, like things that it's actually harder for me, I think, than it is for them because they, um, they're more adaptive and resilient, you know, than I, I think we give them credit for, but, um, it's just definitely been a journey. It's definitely been a journey of like, what, how are things going to look and like being open to, you know, what's possible and, you know, I've been talking a lot about this idea of being squeezed through the eye of the needle and how like we're all in the squeeze <laughs> and like we have to leave. You can't take anything with you hmm. in that process, right? And we have to leave everything behind in a way. But then we have this beautiful opportunity to pick up on the other side of the of that pressure cooker that we're in. Like we get to choose what we're picking up to carry mm -hmm. forward into the future. Like we get yeah. to actually have this we get to choose what kind of world we're going to live in, you know? So there's a beauty in that. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. That's interesting that you say that the, the end of the, the coaching program that I do, that's basically mm -hmm. like the, the takeaway, not to give it away. You have to go through it anyway, but you, yeah, yeah. like you, you can't simultaneously want something different than what you're living and also take everything that you are in order to be there. So you mm -hmm. have to, let you have to let go of the possibility or you have to be willing to accept the possibility that everything that you know now is going to change but don't worry because where you're going is way better you know yeah 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 and we get to choose what that's gonna you know we get to choose like the, the parts of our life that we want to carry forward and the things that didn't work out i mean I, I don't know about you but i've been hearing from so many people like ah what are like a, some parts of their life there's such a big relief like where I live, I live next to Silicon Valley, you know, and Google mm. and Facebook and all the places, you know, and um, Apple. And a lot of people are like, I'm done spending three hours a day in a car commuting, mm. mm -hmm. you know, like there's so many like pieces of that that have really kind of, it's been like a break in that, that like structure. And so yeah. now they're like, okay, how can we rebuild this on the other side? Yeah. Um, so it's actually a life that I want to live, you know? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's neat. Yeah. That's kind of yeah. The area that I'm in is similar to that. It's it's like mm -hmm. the Microsoft, Facebook, Amazon type area. Yeah, yeah. 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 That's you know, th that's really interesting too. That all these, I mean, these corporations are having their employees network from home, and so I know I know from talking to my partner, it's like, um, well, could we do this for forever? <laughs> you know, do yeah. we really oh, need yeah. to come in? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And there's obviously there's you know, there's a beauty to like being in person with people and stuff, but it's like, you know, so much of the work, I don't know. I feel like we're in this big revolution of education, you know, like colleges and, you know, there is a beauty of sitting in, an, in a lecture and like mm -hmm. taking notes, you know, and like being in that, you know, if you, um, if college is a path, path for you, I mean, it was the path for me. Um, so so much that um, time, you know, and so I think there's a lot of like that coming to light as well in terms of like the educational realms. Like yeah. That. So, so um, your kids are and like as a oh, yoga teacher, <laughs> you know, I was just gonna say as a yoga teacher, like the yoga teacher trainings, you know, um, I don't know if you've ever been through those, but with the yoga alliance, like they required so many contact hours, and so now <laughs> it's like they're allowing us to run everything you know, at a distance. And of course it, there is a lot of hands-on work in yoga. 
but at the same time, like, can we do the history of yoga in a slideshow instead of, you know, so there's a lot of that coming to light, I think, in so many different realms, you know? Yeah. 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 Your, your children are, are about to graduate, you said? I have a, um, a, my daughter will be a junior. My son will be a freshman. Okay. So they're not quite there yet. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> not ready for that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. and one of, so the education thing is interesting to me because, so I, I had been homeschooling for, for my, for my kids' whole lives. I mean, my oldest is seven, so it wasn't a huge chunk, but you know, still, and yeah. I had just decided because I moved up here and we didn't really know anybody. I was like, I think it'd be a good idea for them to go to school. Also, I was newly a single mom. So I needed a little bit more time to do my stuff, I thought. Um, so I put them into school. They're in school for six weeks and then they're out of school. Um, uh-huh. and, and I realized it was, it was so interesting that, first of all, like I, I had to do my work and... Be, be at home with them, um, which I thought previously I couldn't do, but suddenly there was like a lot of slack because everybody's having to do this. So nobody's expecting that I'm going to have an uninterrupted session with them now because everyone's kids are at home. Um, yeah, yeah. So I thought that was interesting, but also just like, I think everybody's handling it a little bit differently, but for me in my mind, I'm like, none of the kids are going to be in September as if they had been in school for this period, you know, it's going to be varying levels of having kept up with the the curriculum and whatever. So I think that'll mm-hmm. be interesting. Yeah. 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 And they're already talking about, yeah, it, it, you know, and, and you look at, okay, how much of our curriculum really was meaningful and like how much like was, you know, how much of it was just like, how much of it could we condense without so much just extra information that really wasn't, you know, um, taking them down that pathway of whatever it is, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I, I, you know, you look at some of these you know, things that my kids have to do, I'm like, really? It's just like busy work, you know? Um, yeah, and they're yeah. now outgrowing, they're outgrowing that now. Um, now it's much more like, um, you know, in those accelerated classes, it gets a little, um, accelerated in that way. And they don't have a lot of room for a lot of other stuff when you get a little older, but it's still, it's one of those things where I think we're all being softer with ourselves, which is really beautiful. And then also just noticing like, oh, even like in our work, like as an entrepreneur, like, how much of this was work? <laughs> like, how much of it actually supported my clients or my students or actually moved the needle in my work in some way, you know? Um, like, how much of it is just me wasting time? So that's been really, that's been really beautiful too to see. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. 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 Are, yeah. So you have this, um, who you used to when we were allowed to congregate, um, have yeah. like a live class that you did weekly at this studio? Yeah. So, it? yeah. So I taught, um, th- three to five classes a week, like yoga. Uh, okay. So I teach bhakti vinyasa. So there's chanting and like in, in vinyasa flow yoga. Mm-hmm. And then we had, we also have a, um, a monthly kirtan. 
So that was like third Mondays of the month we would have here. And then I also led teacher trainings here and, um, you know, workshops and stuff like that. So this is like my home studio. So this is like the main place where um, I would offer experiences, you know, live with people. And um, I can't wait to be live with people again. <laughs> That's really cool. Yeah. I, I didn't yeah. know much about your, your yoga background. Well, do you want to, do you want to tell us about that? Like what, how you got involved with that particular branch and what your evolution was? Yeah, so I started out in yoga, well, I mean, my first, ex so if you go back to like the day, like my first exposure to yoga was probably like when my, my, my mom had a record with like, I wanted to say it was like Lillian Folan or whatever her name was, but um, you know, this is like the 80s, you know, leotard, like it was very kind of Jane Fonda kind of like vibes, you know, and this is LA in the 80s. And I thought it was always, thought it was kind of weird. And then in college I mean you know I was very young and um in college I um started meditating so I got into zen meditation in college and previous to that I've always been a new age bookstore kind of girl like even in junior high and high school like I spent a lot of my time in high school at the Bodhi Tree bookstore in LA which is now <gasps> oh, closed me, oh me yeah, too I yeah. love that place or yeah, love yeah. yeah yeah so that was like a refuge for me and I would just like devour anything about mindfulness and like meditation and spirituality and so that was sort of my my ground being I get into college and I ended up um, finding a we had a Zen um, teacher that lived close to my college who was training to be a Roshi so um, I got to sit with him and then it was during that time I was exposed to Iyengar yoga in the Lidong yoga book like because there was no studios <laughs> and, and um, I'm taking a younger class at the get from LA, <laughs> right? Um, and so that's why I started yoga. It was because it, it was, I was the only thing that there was. And so after college, I come back. I actually lived in Seattle for a year, practiced Iyengar there because that's all there was at this like gym. Huh. And then I moved. Yeah, and then I moved back to California in at the end of the, the late 90s, like 97, 98. And vinyasa was kind of becoming a thing. Brian Kest. Mm -hmm. um, so when I go to LA, I try to take Brian Kest classes. And then um, he came out with VHS tapes. And so I'd play those when I would come back here to Santa Cruz. And so I started getting into power vinyasa then. So that's kind of my beginning, my origin story in yoga. And then I went to acupuncture school. I almost did a teacher training during that, but it was too much. Yes, yeah, so I'm an acupuncturist as well. And um, then I had a couple kids. <laughs> and then I'm, you know, I kind of started teaching yoga and practicing acupuncture. And then the teaching yoga took over the practicing acupuncture. So I actually kind of taught more like a vinyasa, just power vinyasa kind of style, I mm -hmm. would say until um, I really got in, I was exposed to, you know, kirtan music, but for the first time, I think it was a Baron, so this is like really funny, but you know Baron Baptiste, the yoga teacher, so he, yeah. had, a, he had a Baron Baptiste live DVD that had Krishna Das playing, right, mm -hmm. okay. and when I was pregnant, when I was pregnant with my daughter, my yoga teacher here in town would have us listen to the Gayatri mantra, 
and all these mantras, mantra music. And I didn't really know what it was. I was like, this is really cool, you know? But um, it wasn't, I didn't put the two together, like yoga and kirtan or yoga and mantra music or anything like that until, um, probably until I really met Janet Stone, who's like kind of one of my, my main teachers. And so I went to her class, like, I don't know, years ago. It was the 10th anniversary party at Yoga Tree for her and um in san francisco and we chanted and did yoga at the same time in the same class and i was like what is this <laughs> it blew it totally blew my mind yeah and it connected like i always thought that i mean i think a lot of people might go through this with music but i always thought that like to chant you had to be a mu- quote-unquote musician like you had to be a krishna das you know like i didn't know that there was this practice that like that's a everybody funny did. statement though because he's not a music i mean he wasn't i know i know i know i know i know but this is like from my like my you know not exposed to any of this kind of brain right i always thought but i always thought of like um you had to be like a recording artist or like mm-hmm. a musician like a trained musician in some way and i assumed he was because he was on an album <laughs> and um <laughs> And so that was sort of how I kind of started putting two, the two together. Um, I didn't really start chanting. I, I did her a train, like my three or 300, 500 hour with her. And I, st- I bought a harmonium. I didn't play it for three years. Okay. And then one day I was just like, I learned how to play one song. And then it was like, it was all over after that. <laughs> um, I did have a little bit of musical training in musical theater um, growing up, but but that's what I love about Kirtan. It's like, it's for everybody, you know? Um, so that's sort of how they put, I put the two together. And I think with, with Kirtan, with mantra music, what really hooked me was that it connected the mind and the heart. Right. So I've always been sort of living from the throat up, you know, very much like, like, let me get a PhD. Let me get a math, like let me get another degree, like very much in the mind. Right. And I loved yoga philosophy Mm-hmm. But there was this disconnect from like the embodiment of my practice, right? And it was the uh, it was chanting that really connected me, I think integrated the practice for me in such a really um beautiful way. Yeah. I've noticed that I, th- I think there's just something so beautiful about moving the body externally, like through external space. But then when you're chanting, you're moving internally. Mm-hmm. I mean, you're, you're moving internally anyway, when you're moving your body, but like, there's just a, another layer. It's like the, mm-hmm. from the inside out, I don't know how to, it goes deeper from the inside out maybe, but the combination yeah, the, the is the vibration. Really cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I remember taking this ecstatic dance class once and we had moved the whole time and then we started singing along to this track and I was like, wow, that is, that is integrated. Like that feels like it's using everything of me you know uh. yeah yeah and that vibration like what like i mean there's a whole science like not a yoga you know it's like the power of sound and mantra vibrating into your cells like it changes you on this like deep level like and you feel it in your bones you know it's like um in chinese medicine school they started coming out with um these tuning forks i think they're they were called acutal then I don't know what they call them now but there are these tuning forks at different frequencies you know and you place them on acupuncture points that were more like uh, near bony process like a shin bone or something and you'd feel the vibration of the of that sound current like in your bone you know 
and that's what we're doing when we're chanting. It's like you're vibrating yourself, you know, it's so cool. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. 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 So how did you, did you just kind of learn how to chant and then you started my path. classes or? Yeah. So I just, I think, I mean, honestly, I, so I had some mantras I learned with Janet and then I dove into YouTube and learned a couple of songs um, and then started, you know, playing, you know, in before class and after class with, you know, using mantra um, as like a theme, like whatever the theme was, weaving that mantra in with the theme of the class. And, um, and then I just started, you know, someone asked me to lead a kirtan somewhere and I was like why don't we have one at our studio and there was there's one in town but at that point there was like one in town it was like always very particular style of like um, mantra music and I was exposed more to like bhakti fest you know in places where there's just from different all different kinds of lineages mantra mm-hmm. and so we started a kirtan here um and so I'll teach you know I teach a lot of mantra, say, in my teacher trainings, and we, we chant in the beginning and after, you know, beginning and end of class. Um, and, you know, I've taught little, little ditty harmonium, I mean, really super basic harmonium little workshops, you know, but I mean, I'm totally self-taught. Like, like I taught myself, like, chords on harmonium from YouTube, you know, <laughs> like, and then how to, like, you know, uh, you know, move chords or what they call, you know, like shift one key in a chord so that you can like have better transitions and like, you know, so I feel just totally self-taught, but, um, I did grow up dancing, which I think helped in terms of beats. So I hear, um, I, I dance, I was a ballet and jazz tap dancer until I was in college. And so I hear a drum in the back of my mind always. <laughs> so it's like very much the beat, like, cause the beat is very driven into you and dance. So, um, so that helped, I think a little bit to feel comfortable, like, um, in some ways. Yeah. That's been the journey. That's cool. Do yeah, your kids, yeah. do your kids involve themselves at all in, in what you do? Are they into it? You know, when they were younger, they were now it's like, I think they're starting to come back around a little bit. Like my daughter's come to a couple before we had to close, like, you know, live kirtans with a shelter in place. She was helping you sign in. So that was really cool. Um, but they're not like, I think it's a little bit like, you know, whatever I do isn't always like coolest thing. So <laughs> <laughs> I'm kind of waiting for them to come back around to what they want to come back around to, you know, yeah. it's like you yeah. kind of expose them and like make the offering and then, um, you know, we'll see, we'll see. But like, I have, like, they have friends that come to my yoga classes, but they won't come to my yoga classes. <laughs> <laughs> so that's kind of funny. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, so. if I ever wanted to make my youngest son cry, all I'd have to do is start singing. <laughs> <laughs> Especially playing oh. piano. I know it's, it's so it's so weird. It's it. I think I think That's both so of funny them associated like like music is what takes my mama away from me. <laughs> So I don't, I don't like mm-hmm. it when she does that. They don't mind music in general, but just yeah. when I'm making it, it's very upsetting. So, yeah. 
Yeah. Well, I've heard about that with my friends who are yoga teachers. They're like, they don't want their kids to associate yoga with work. Uh huh. Like when mom talks about yoga, she's going to go away for work, you know? So, um, you know, they, they definitely will like, you know, like talk meander around it in some way to like, so they don't like charge it with this kind of idea, but I I feel you. Yeah. (laughs) So sweet. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So what else have you been up to in this? So lately, yeah, it's been a lot of, um, you know, trying to create a space for people to spend time in. Um, Like, so how can we be together when we're not together? (laughs) It's really been a lot of what I've been trying to um, put together. Because, you know, I'm used to leading a couple retreats a year or, you know, we had this one training we have to postpone and so um, I'm creating something called the Live Awake Collective, which is an online virtual community where, um, you know, each month people get like a breathwork practice, meditation, and we have like online, you know, new moon or full moon, um, you know, ceremonies and just like a place to do some of the transformative work that we usually are doing live together in a studio setting. Um, but virtually. <laughs> so I'm, I'm pretty excited about that. That's going to be launching pretty soon. So um, that's what I've been working on lately, you know, to yeah. create that space for, for like the coaching pieces that like, you know, not everybody can really be in a coaching program with me. Um, and my next one probably won't run for a while. And so it's like, how can I give people some of those tools in a way that they can integrate in their life? That's, um, feels very like connected and community um, driven. So that's sort of the vision behind that. Yeah. Um, So I'm excited. (laughs) It seems like just such a great idea in general to have an online offering because even when everything opens up, then you can, you can be in a community with people in Egypt and New York Mm -hmm. and, you know, it's, it's a really, I think it's a really cool expansion of, offerings anyway yeah and I have you know I have the rock your purpose podcast we have a lot of people from around the world who are in my rock your purpose Facebook group and then we also have um a lot I've done a lot of teacher trainings in like Bali and Costa Rica and um so I have there's people who are all over the place and so it's like how can we all gather together you know I have you know students in Dallas and Boston and like you know you know, how can we all be together and not have to be on a retreat in Baja, you know, just mm-hmm. to, to be together? Like, it, it keeps us connected and it keeps people kind of feeling supported, like, especially now more than ever. Um, you know, yoga and mindfulness and breath work and, and mantra and all these tools are like essential, I feel like, for being able to show up in the world in the way that we want to show up with, re- with, with resiliency mm-hmm. and like um, with compassion and like empathy and all these things, you know, for our own experiences as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so that was really the drive also behind it. It was like, now I just want to get the, the work out to people. I just want to get it out, get it out, get it out. So people have the tools that they, they need without having to sign up for like a big course that's, or a program or, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's been really kind of the, the vision. And then after we all can be together live, it kind of keeps us in the bubble together. Um, 
so that when we meet up again live, it's like, oh, we're like, you know, we're checking back in and it becomes family, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's sort of the, the impetus behind it is like, how can I get some of these out, you know, and like, I don't know about you, but I have, I feel like all my work has been so scattered all over the place. Like, uh, and it's kind of, it feels like more like having a hub feels really good in terms mm-hmm. of like, like, okay, this is going to be the, the hub for all the things. And then, you know, people will get special access to, you know, other offerings that I do and whatever, but I'm excited. <laughs> it's like a new era. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds yeah. very organized to me. <laughs> Does it yeah. Sound like a very, you sound like you have like, yeah you you have a good sense of structure (laughs) is that the case yeah that's my um I have my so if you're into astrology my Venus is in Capricorn so I love like graphic design like beautiful organized visuals (laughs) and I sort of think that way like I think in terms of like um visual orientation like how things would be arranged and connected that Mm -hmm. makes sense Mm -hmm. so um yeah so if in my mind if things are organized like that in my mind like then I can like exhale (laughs) you know I love it Um, so that's called the live away collective yeah live awake like live awake awake. oh I thought away like we're all Mm -hmm. away from each other okay (laughs) No, no, live awake. Yeah, like living awake awake and in your purpose. Yeah. 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 So a lot of the work I teach about is dharma and like purpose and like finding your purpose and waking up to purpose and also just like waking up in general, you know, um, to getting off automatic pilot and, you know, really stepping into our power, our prana um, as people. And um, I mean, it's fun along the way too, but um, yeah, live awake. So liveawakecollective.com is where that will be found. Yeah. I'll share that. It's pretty exciting. Yeah. What, um, what is your understanding of Dharma and purpose? Well, I mean, that's a, um, big question. Um, well, for me, Dharma and purpose, it's like, there is, there's these two kinds of Dharma, right? There's this kind of universal Dharma, universal truth, universal, um, this kind of purpose that's beyond our own individual self, then we all have our own individual um, purpose or dharma. I think that's always unfolding. Uh-huh. And it changes and it shifts. And what's interesting to me is like, I know you you shifted your name, right? And part of that shift is, you know, I feel like we um, we change as people and our dharma changes. And like, the changing of a name is like, it's like, okay, the shift of the step up into a new Dharma, you know, it's like almost like this up leveling into another Dharma. And so I feel like as we grow and we age, um, our Dharma shifts and it becomes more and more inclusive to those other, you know, stages of our life or Dharmas that we were living, you know? And, um, so I, I think there is this dance between like destiny and, and free will, you know, like, I think we all have, purpose on this planet and we get to choose how it unfolds and we get to choose how it, it gets expressed and we get to choose to ignore it <laughs> <as> well, <laughs> you know 
Um, but there's this beautiful, um, I think when, as people wake up to their own lives and their own inner life, like Dharma naturally starts to reveal itself, you know? Um, so it's one of my favorite topics to, to talk about. Yeah, so that is super interesting to me because <laughs> I have only ever heard Dharma used. And I think describe... we're all here, you know. Oh, go ahead. Yes. No, no, sorry, finish what you were saying. I think we have yeah. a little oh, bit of go latency. <laughs> oh, yeah, no, go for it. No, I want to hear what you're saying. Well, no, I was saying, so I have, in in my, you know, spiritual practice, which, um, is becoming clear and clear to me was a little bit of an authoritarian regime. Um, I have I have really only ever heard the word dharma used to describe like a set of um, of measures to apply in my life that would keep me on track. You know, so like mm-hmm. basically rules. Mm-hmm. So it's not like that's kind of a different. Yeah. And, and I've heard that in other traditions too. Different like, meaning. Yeah. 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 Well, there's, and, and like in Buddhism, there's the Buddha Dharma, right? So it's the teachings of the Buddha, uh-huh. like, but there are universal principles that are, um, you know, like the four noble truths, you know, it's not, they're not rules to live by. They're more like revelations about the nature of reality. Um, uh-huh. But Dharma does have, I think, a few meanings, you know, there's the the meaning of, you know, like universal truths or universal laws or the the, the teachings, so to speak. And then there's also this idea that's more from a yogic context. My my guess, like the like the Bhagavad Gita and the story of Arjuna and Krishna, and he talks it to Arjuna about doing his dharma, you know. Uh-huh. Um, and so that's like another layer of meaning, you know. Uh, Krishna represents like consciousness itself, and you know Arjuna is in that you know in that kind of between the rock and the hard place. Like, what do I do here? For those of you who don't know this story, but um, he's telling Arjuna that it, like it, it's better to fail at doing your dharma than it is to succeed at somebody else's in that mm-hmm. it's better to, you know, not be as quote unquote successful <laughs> at your own dharma, but it's your uniquely yours than it is to try to be somebody that you're not, I guess is really what that, that saying is. It's like, be the authentic you, you know, um, so there's there are a lot of layers to the meaning of uh, to the meaning of dharma. You know, I'm sure I'm missing many many, but um, I've always kind of played with those two those two ideas. Yeah, yeah. I actually wasn't familiar with the the uh, that story. So thank you. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. That's like one of my favorite parts of the of the Gita. You know, like because I think I don't know. A lot of us grow up like. I mean, trying to be somebody else, you know, and I, I grew up in, so just to, you know, I grew up in a celebrity culture in LA, you know, friends who are celebrities and it was very much like everybody something else, you know, you know, and so I went through that um, as I kind of removed myself from that culture where um, it's like, oh, like, what about just being who we are? You know, can you hear me? Okay. okay. I can hear you fine. I just have a goldfish that's joined me here. Oh, oh. Uh, hi. <laughs> Who's hungry. Oh, I feel you. Oh, goldfish. Which is why I left him lots of food, but. Yeah. Hi. <laughs> I was watching an interview with, uh, 
Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis, (laughs) of all things, but they were doing it from, or like on Zoom or whatever. They were saying they had about 20 minutes because they'd given their kids some pretzels and an iPad. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You're like, you know the time. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I totally know. Yeah, I know. I've got a puppy at home, so it's like a lot of puppy stuff now for me too. It's like, okay, she's got a toy. How long do I have? Do you have the stuff? Oh, yeah. So yeah. cute. Yeah. But yeah, um, I I know what you're saying about the the celebrity culture and wanting to to be something else. It it's interesting because I think from like a superficial perspective, we sort of think like these people who are in the public eye and they're making tons of money and whatever, just automatically we think, oh, they're living like their biggest and best lives. Like this is like such a full life. And this is so random, but in learning about Scientology, it's not so many of them, but I'm just seeing like the different ways that people can actually feel enslaved. And we think they're living these amazing lives. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, that was one thing. So when I was in acupuncture school, I was back in LA and I worked for this acupuncturist as an intern who was like a celebrity acupuncturist, you know, and so we had like really big name people coming in there. It was like a private clinic, you know, the whole thing. And just talking to people, it's just like, first of all, like a lot of them are, do feel trapped by their life, you know? you can't go anywhere like without you know there's there's like is the money worth it you know um for a lot of people and they get kind of trapped into a cycle or contracts or i mean there there are pieces to that whole life that's not worth it you know to me anyway um and yeah just people having lives you know they're just going through the same things you know and um it just, that was a really big, yeah, turning point for me too, is being like making that choice to not stay in that kind of world of like, of, of, of all those things, you know, it's like, it's good to get out of LA for sure. Is that <laughs> I like to go moved- back for two days and then leave. <laughs> <laughs> is that why you moved up north? Um, I actually moved up here um, for med school. I was going to go to medical school. Yeah. So, um, I was actually interning and, um, you know, preparing for med school. I ended up going instead into Chinese medicine. Um, after interviewing at med schools, I was like, I don't like any of the people I'm meeting, you know, but, um, and I was really interested in alternative medicine a little bit then, like Andrew Weil was kind of coming out, you know, and, um, and so that kind of was sparking my interest. But uh, I think just... I think I always have this kind of need, a love to explore new places and stuff like that. So I wouldn't say that was originally why I left by any means, but when I go back now, I can kind of see um, a lot of my friends still live there, you know, and I can kind of see that kind of contrast of, um, you know, that, you know, we don't have TV. I don't have a TV or anything like that, you know, so I don't, I'm not really in the land of any of that anymore. So it's always kind of fun to go back and just like, see what's going on <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's funny my, my sister's always like naming some name so and so did this and I'm st- and she's she knows now she's like oh, okay so he was in <laughs> this movie <laughs> yeah you're like I don't know <laughs> like, okay um yeah. but yeah it, it, it's funny I actually really like 
LA, like that area. Mm -hmm. I mean, I was born there, so I have, okay, you were too. Okay, I, yeah. I have yeah. an affinity for, for that area, but, um, Mm -hmm. I was done with living there. For me, it had to do with the the competition for resources, like mm -hmm. the standing in line for everything, because they're just it's just so populated, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I still I'm I grew up on the west side. I still like the whole like Venice, Santa Monica, like that whole strip, like that whole you know. Um, I kind of grew up in that whole Brentwood, that whole area, and so. Um, it's always home, you know, I definitely am just, I get nostalgic for it. And I love going back and like going for a run at the beach and like, you know, all those kinds of things, you know, it's good to see, um, the hills and, um, but I, I can't, I can't live in that kind of, um, yeah, it's like sardines, you know, anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, I feel you. Yeah. And it's yeah. always good to have a home. I mean, I'm lucky I get to go to my home, you know, where I grew up and, you know, I've got friends who, how to leave their country of origin and can't go back, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's nice to be able to go back and, and, um, and just kind of feel that kind of, you know, knowingness of like where everything is. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. Yeah. Well, so what, what did you, when did you leave LA? Sorry. See, I left in, must've been 2011. Okay. Yeah. yeah. After I did. Yeah. That's when I got married oh. and moved to Phoenix. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And now so you're there for more of the, the bigger yoga stuff going on. And yeah. Um, well, when, when I was living in, so yeah. I, I only lived in LA on my own, like as an adult for a few years, cause mm -hmm. we had moved since I was born there. Um, gotcha. But, but yeah, then I, then I moved to Phoenix and got married and had kids and all that. And, uh, yeah, I'm in Washington. So I, I it was funny that you had lived in Seattle cause I'm right near Seattle now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. I lived in Queen Anne for a bit. Yeah. Oh, sweet. That's really beautiful. Yeah. We live in Redmond. So we're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's funny. It's, it's, it's a type of suburbia that I've never really experienced because it's so nature oriented. It's like yeah. so many trails and it's, it's awesome. It's beautiful up there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's how we are here. I mean, Santa Cruz is kind of that kind of, we have, you know, trails everywhere and redwoods and, um, you know, you can go, you can be the redwoods or you can be the water. So you've got the mountains and the, you've got the kind of play of the two, which is really, I think very healing, you know, so you can find what you need at any time. Yeah. yeah. I was actually talking to Shervin about that because we were saying how amazing it is in this period where we can't go much of anywhere to be in a place that has nature in it. I mean, is, is amazing. Cause if you're stuck and all there is is buildings, that's a really different experience. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. We've been having a lot of, like, I have a couple of students right now who are in Chicago and who are Zooming, doing some teaching Zoom classes right now. So yoga classes online on Zoom um, through Pleasure Point Yoga. And um, a couple of my students are in Chicago and it's like a big deal for them to like be able to go out, you know, and, and be, you know, because you know, apart, you know, what's open and what, what can they access in terms of the nature of the higher um, the shelter room. And so, yeah, I really, I really appreciate where I am and wish I could just send it to everybody, <laughs> you know? Um, 
Yeah. Yeah. Je goldfish. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. It, yeah, it, it's all, I mean, I feel like if you're in a city, you, you always have the idea that you can go somewhere like, oh, we can drive to the beach or we can drive to the, you know, and, and you might not even actually do it all that much, but you have the idea that you can, and then, you know, something mm -hmm. like this happens and that may feel more confining. <laughs> That's true. That's true. I mean, how many times have I lived somewhere urban and like been like, yeah, just knowing you have the freedom to do it is really what the, what it's about. You know, it's like you can just pick up and take off and go wherever, but like not being able to do that. It's like, yeah, it's definitely probably the challenge. Yeah. Um, for sure. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, well, well, thank you so much for, for joining me today and telling us about yeah, your, thanks for chatting. your yoga journey. Um, yeah. how can, how can we find you? There's, there's many places. Yes. Yeah. I mean, emilyperry.com is probably the best place. Um, you can find me there. The, the live a weight collective, the wait list is open right now for that liveweightcollective.com is a great place to go. And it might, by, by the time this goes live, the, the enrollment might be open. RM. So there's a good grandma lot and my handle is emilyperry.co that's usually a good place to to find me <laughs> I'm in there in stories all day long usually so yeah it's a good way to get connected <laughs> sure thanks for cool. having me here yeah and I highly recommend that everybody join your rock your purpose group that's awesome on Facebook um cool oh, yeah, yeah thank you. absolutely yeah. it's so fun to talk to you yeah great to talk to you too and great to see your goldfish. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Talk to you soon. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this, please leave a review and rate the podcast wherever you're listening. That helps others find it.